At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Other than last year, we've led this the is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, so, uh, presented not, by Bet Rivers. We had, we had uh, you know, things that we just have to do better. And so um, it wasn't that. We're still going to continue to rush and let those guys rush and, and, and try to be the best in the league in terms of putting a quarterback on his back, uh, but, also have a really good, but also have a really good run defense. Steelers defensive coordinator Terrell Austin kicking off the Pittsburgh CityCast on a Tuesday. Tim Benz with you from St. Vincent College in Latrobe at Steelers training camp. More on the Steelers and their rush defense later. We're brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Get ready to kick off fall and football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Join Bet Rivers on Wednesday, August the 17th. That's tomorrow for Win Total Wednesday. This Wednesday, players who place a wager on any NFL or NCAA football team's win total get a free $10 BetRivers bet. Head to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app all season long for the latest odds and unique promotions. BetRivers is your go-to sportsbook this fall. It's a whole new game. I think the hook coming off the Steelers going down to 7 if you can still get that, great, good for you. Uh, had seen it gone up to seven and a half after the win against the Seattle Seahawks, and people feeling a little bit more faith in the Steelers after that performance that the quarterbacks might be a little bit further along on the learning curve than it looked in training camp, at least when they got out there in live action. That is a big, big half win that we're talking about there with the Steelers because I think they're an eight-win team. You can breathe a little easier if you get it at 7 or you want to slide the odds to 7 instead of 7.5 and, and risk the push. 
Um, but that's just a matter of betting strategy, which we'll talk a lot more about tomorrow when I'll give you some win total Wednesday predictions on the local teams, college and pros. We are presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Steelers' point spread went up to plus 3.5 for the game against Jacksonville on Saturday. Is that because the Jags waived Jake Luton? Is that worth at least a full point in the preseason? It must be. I can't think of why else there would be movement like that in a preseason game like this, but so be it. I can't think of a thing otherwise with the Steelers that would leap out as a reason for line movement, so to speak. The over-under is holding firm at 42.5, and based on what you are about to hear from Mike Tomlin and his discussion about the two-minute defense and his run defense, that total might not seem too high to you after you hear what the coach has to say, even if it does right now. Jags-Steelers in the preseason. The Jags haven't broken 13 points in their first two games. I bet you're leaning under. That would be my hunch, too. But as I mentioned before, based on what I saw from the quarterbacks in the first game for the Steelers against the Seahawks, they feel better about their offense. And, yeah, it does seem like especially the depth defense has a long way to go when you listen to what Tomlin has to say in just a little bit. Interesting trade rumor about Mason Rudolph. Jacksonville certainly may be in play now with Luton being moved uh, off the roster. If they want a depth QB, maybe Mason Rudolph comes into play there. Uh, But how about the Lions? For some fans in Pittsburgh, the only satisfactory ending for Mason Rudolph's role in the three-headed quarterback competition with Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett would be if Rudolph is traded. At least one rumor has that speculation percolating. Andrew Filipponi of 93.7 The Fan tweeted that he's been told Rudolph could be dealt to the Detroit Lions by the end of the week. Justin Mello of the Draft Network floated that idea last month as well. As troubled as Rudolph's tenure in Pittsburgh may have been, I'd still rather have him on my team than Tim Boyle or David Blaw. And those are Detroit's two backup options at QB right now after Jared Goff. Some have also tried to create a matchmaker scenario between the New York Jets and Rudolph because of the injury to Zach Wilson, their starting quarterback, if quarterback depth is in question there for the Jets. The under at six and a half games right now for the Lions at plus 103. That's where I think the line should be for Detroit. The over minus 125 for six and a half. Give me the under. Give me the plus money. I'm not a buyer on the kneecap biter just yet and the big turnaround story for the Lions. Meanwhile, a former Steelers player has a new home. It's Joe Schobert. After one disappointing season in Pittsburgh, the former Steelers inside linebacker signing a new contract with the Denver Broncos. Schobert is entering his seventh year in the NFL. He was selected by Cleveland in the fourth round of the 2016 draft, and he was traded to Pittsburgh in 2021 and started 15 games for the Steelers. In his lone season in Pittsburgh, Schobert recorded one interception, one forced fumble, 112 tackles, and a quarterback hit. Any team that is actively signing Schobert right now, after what I saw last year, doesn't strike me as a 10-win team. I think the Broncos might be an overhyped team, much like the Lions. The over-under is at 10 games with a minus 110 on either side. Give me the under on that one, or if you can buy a half game up, go to 10.5, take the odds hit, take the under with greater odds and feel more comfortable if that's what you so desire. But I think Denver is a nine-win team. 10 is the absolute ceiling. 
Uh, like I said, I think they're a bit overhyped too, even with Russell Wilson getting there, and I'll take the under on that total. Let's talk about the Pirates tonight. They're only plus 110 against the Red Sox. Man, how bad are the Red Sox then? Minus 134 to beat the Pirates at PNC Park. That's probably because Mitch Keller is pitching, and he's coming off a win against the Diamondbacks. Actually, you could argue that it was his worst outing of his last seven. The previous six, he went six innings. His ERA is down to 425. He's going against Nick Pavetta, who has nine losses already for Boston. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going with the Pirates in the battle of last-place teams. I'll go straight, but, yeah, if you want to go with the uh, plus money, excuse me, if you want to give the money uh, for the plus one-and-a-half on the run line, I'd feel really good about that with the way the Red Sox have been performing, even though the Pirates have been struggling mightily of late as well. Uh, What other one do we want to get to baseball-wise? Oh, the Yankees. That's right. We just got to ask ourselves when we're going to allow ourselves to believe what's happening with the Yankees is true. Former Pirate Garrett Cole, a tough luck start for them on Monday. He and the Yankees lost 4-0 to the Rays. I got that one wrong. It's the second straight shutout loss for the Bronx Bombers, having lost 3 to nothing to the Red Sox on Sunday. I suppose we should give the Red Sox credit there for what they did against the Yankees, so maybe I'm misreading this game coming up against the Pirates, but I do think Keller, who's pitching well, will at least suppress that total. Maybe you want to go with the under in the Pirates-Red Sox game. But let's stick with the Yankees for the time being. They've now lost five of their last six, 11 of 14, 8 and 16 since the All-Star break. Cole allowed one earned run in six innings pitched. He had six strikeouts and just two walks. Cole falls to 9-5. and five. The Yankees still lead the Rays and Blue Jays by 10 games in the AL East. If you believe that Nestor Cortez is the streak-snapping answer for the Yankees, he's at 9-3 and three with a 2.67 ERA against Jeffrey Springs at 4-3 and three with an ERA of 2.65. I'm staying away from New York, but I'll go with the under at minus 7, which is coming in at minus 105 Uh, with the way things have been going with the bats lately with the Yankees and a decent pitching matchup at least to start for Tampa well I'll say go with the under there and leave the winner alone on this one okay back to the Steelers I hope you got in on the George Pickens rookie of the year bet already because he's up to plus 112 climbing the boards quickly I told you to get him at plus 3500 I thought that would be a great investment Uh, It's still a long shot for him to hit, but those odds are shrinking, like I just said. Hopefully you did it there because the value is going to continue to to shrink as people continue to get eyes on him. I think people are also having more faith in the Steelers' quarterbacks after what they saw on Sunday, too, so that might, might be factoring in a bit to the belief in Pickens for Rookie of the Year. That goes for pittsburgh specifically too when it comes to faith in the quarterbacks and that goes for pittsburgh specifically when it comes to optimism after what they saw on saturday night against seattle mitch trubisky mason rudolph and kenny pickett combined for a 124.9 passer rating and route to the 32 to 25 win they totaled 224 yards on 26 of 37 passing to go along with four touchdowns and no interceptions But the team was not without flaws. After all, Tomlin's club found itself tied at 25 against the Seahawks' backups. And Seattle's starters aren't even supposed to be all that good in the first place. After Monday's practice at St. Vincent College, Tomlin identified three specific areas that jumped off the tape at him where the Steelers need to improve. And I think he was spot on about all three of them, the first of which was two-minute execution. We'll use the lessons learned in stadium 
as our guide as we get better. And I just think it's appropriate to do so. You know, I, I thought our two minute was not where it needed to be offensively and defensively at the end of the half the other night. Um, and, and so as you can see in, in team today, we, 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 we plugged in another two minute segment. And, and I think that's what you do during team development. You have a hardcore plan, but you also remain light on your feet for the unforeseen, for what the group might need in an effort to keep the train moving. Now, Tomlin was referring to an ineffective drive led by Rudolph at the end of the second quarter. The Steelers had the ball at their 20-yard line with 2 minutes 44 seconds remaining before halftime. Rudolph couldn't connect on passes to Connor Hayward and Jalen Warren. Then a 9-yard pass to Jace Sternberger came up short of the sticks, so they had to punt. The Seahawks then marched 61 yards and 127 to score a touchdown just before halftime. Things weren't exactly crisp at times late in the second half either. Even though the Steelers' win was highlighted by Pickett's touchdown drive in the waning seconds, it was a five-play march that began on the Seahawks' 43-yard line with just 70 seconds remaining and ended with a 24-yard scoring pass to Tyler Vaughns with just three seconds left. However, the Steelers had the ball first and 10 from the Seattle 46 when the two-minute warning hit. From there, the Steelers ended up giving the ball away on downs as the drive ended with Pickett taking an ill-advised fourth-down sack on his own 47. The offense only got the ball back to win the game because linebacker Mark Robinson forced a fumble on Seattle's first snap after the change of possession. So I see where Tomlin is coming from when it comes to wanting better two-minute execution, even though the most memorable part of that game is what they did in the closing seconds. The second thing that Tomlin brought up was run defense. Now, this was a major issue last year as the Steelers managed to have the worst rush defense in the NFL at 146.1 yards rushing allowed per game. And according to Tomlin, there is still a long way to go before resolving that issue. Uh, we want great on the curve based on who's available, who's playing. The 11 on the field represent us. There's standards that we live by, and we weren't strong enough, particularly against the run. We didn't tee up our situational ball well enough because we were weak against the run at times in, in game. Seattle's DJ Dallas had 73 yards on 10 carries against the Steelers Saturday night. Travis Homer had 41 on four carries. As a team, the Seahawks averaged 6.1 yards per rush. As far as Tomlin's point about avoiding grading on a curve, he was alluding to the fact that many veteran defensive linemen didn't play, such as starters Cameron Hayward, Tyson Alualu, Larry Ogunjobi, nor did starting outside linebackers T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. However, their backups need to get better in that regard. So do the three players atop the inside linebacker depth chart. Devin Bush, Miles Jack, and Robert Spillane. They were all on the field Saturday. Tomlin was also blunt when asked about Bush and Spillane in pass coverage. I thought they could be a lot better, and um, that'll be my expectation this week. Yeah, that much is obvious, and the Steelers still are searching endlessly for the Ryan Shazier replacement. Hopefully, Miles Jack can be close to that. Then they can figure out what to do with the other inside linebacker spot. That's where the Roquan Smith conversation comes into play, and I fully endorse the Steelers making an aggressive bid to get him. Now, the last thing Tomlin talked about, though, was pass protection. I think we're still growing from a cohesion perspective. Um, I thought we gave up too many hits on the quarterback, um, and some of it's cohesion. Some of it is, you know, guys physically getting beat. Um, but I want a cleaner pocket uh, for our quarterbacks and what I saw. I think that's the standard. Um, but there was a lot of good things, um, but that's something that, that we're going to be uncompromising regarding. Uh, 
Our goal is to keep our quarterbacks as clean as possible and we could have done a better job, even for a first time out. And that's acknowledging how we practice out here isn't necessarily how you practice in game in terms of the pocket. Uh, there's certain professionalism that you do uh, in practice settings. We encourage defenders and rushers to stay away from the quarterback and specifically his arm action. So oftentimes it'll take the offensive line group uh, a, a while, if you will, to warm up to in-stadium action from a strength standpoint. And so it's reasonable to expect those guys to be better in that regard, and, and that's our goal. That'll be our mindset as we work this week. Pickett was sacked twice. Mitch Trubisky barely escaped a sack on the first drive of the game. Rudolph was stripped from behind on his first snap when Boye Maffey blew past tackle Dan Moore Jr. Guard James Daniels blamed himself for the Trubisky play, saying he got sloppy at times, and we've seen too much of that from Daniels. He hasn't exactly lived up to his high pedigree reputation that was attached to him when the Steelers signed him away from the Chicago Bears. The Steelers gave up 38 sacks last year, which is right in the middle of the National Football League. On one hand, you could say that was partially due to the fact that Ben Roethlisberger couldn't elude the rush. On the other, you'd have to acknowledge that the entire premise of the Steelers' offense was based around Roethlisberger getting rid of the ball as fast as possible so as not to expose him to the pressure leaking in from his offensive line. This year, all three quarterbacks move better than Roethlisberger, and there will be more designated throws with the quarterbacks on the move, but pass protection still needs to improve from that group up front. How much improvement we see in that area and all three of those areas by Saturday from Tomlin and his team in Jacksonville, that will be more of a point of interest than a point of panic or significant progress as far as I'm concerned. All that will be determined far more in Cincinnati for the regular season opener on September the 11th. But hey, then again, the Steelers look great in upsetting the Buffalo Bills under similar circumstances last year in week one. And all it got them was the seven seed barely being above 500 and another first round playoff elimination defeat. Okay, when we come back, Joe Rudder and I from the Hunting Lodge in Ligonier. One more time, our last roundtable. Joe and Chris and I have been kicking those around for the Trib over at Trib Live. You can hear a portion of that conversation when we come back. It's all brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Tim Benz with you on the Pittsburgh CityCast. Joe and I talk Steelers training camp from La Trobe next. Kick off football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. All season long, Bet Rivers is your go-to sportsbook for all football-related content. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app for the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and more. Every week, Bet Rivers has unique football specials to help you win big. Cheer on your favorite teams or back your favorite players with Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Thanks for staying with us here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Tim Benz with you. Joe Rudder joining me to talk some Steelers as we continue our final week of coverage from training camp. Get all of our podcasts over at TribLive.com on the Breakfast with Benz podcast page. One of them we kicked around was a recap of game one for the Steelers in the preseason against the Seattle Seahawks. And Joe and I also focused quite a bit on some of the comments that Mike Tomlin just made about where his team is coming out of the first preseason game and going into the next one against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Saturday. All three of the Steelers' quarterbacks had to deal with some leaky pass protection at times. 
Uh, Mitch Trubisky had to escape an onslaught of a rush after James Daniels missed a block. You wrote about that in the Trib. It also looked like if it weren't for Dan Moore's turnstile of a block that Mason Rudolph might have thrown a touchdown pass two passes earlier than he did to George Pickens. And then he had Kenny Pickett who got sacked twice during his time as quarterback for the Steelers. So it strikes me that the pass blocking still has a long way to go for any of the three quarterbacks that are in there, even though all three of those QBs are much more mobile than Ben Roethlisberger was. Yeah, you know, when you add it up, I think it was 14 pressures, seven hits, three sacks. And, uh, you know, even though all three quarterbacks threw a touchdown pass, like you said, they're all on the move for other reasons than just scrambling. It's because they were getting chased out of the pocket. And Mike Tallman, you know, broke down film today and really took the offensive lineman to task for that. Dan Moore talked about it. James Daniels talked about it. Uh, yeah, it was an issue. And, you know, the 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 three... Three of the offensive linemen only got 16 snaps. Uh, Green and Moore, I believe, stayed out there for 35 snaps. I think that'll increase this week, but they need to get working together, you know, and get this thing right if they're if they're going to show improvement over last season. James Daniels, for as highly acclaimed as he was of a signing for the Steelers, you know, 24, coming off his first contract, an offensive lineman that's believed to have upside. Chicago Bears still let him go. And it's not like the Bears quarterbacks or running backs were looked at as saying, boy, those guys run behind a wall of granite or throw behind, you know, a wall of granite. The, you know, it's not like James Daniels came and hit the open market because uh, the Bears were so strapped for cap space or the Bears had so many other options. They just had to let somebody. These are the Chicago Bears we're talking about. So have we maybe. Uh, attached too much belief that James Daniels is going to come right in and, you know, fill the void and be the next DeCastro or Alan Fanica. Well, I think he, he's got to show more than he did in, in the first game. And, you know, when you see efforts like that and you see, you know, some missed assignments, you start to wonder and you do the math and start thinking like you did. Why was he out there in free agency in March? Um, you know, why didn't the Bears want to bring him back? You know, he's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start here. He is young. You know, there is promise that he will do better. Um, you know, I can't judge him too much off of one preseason game. But, you know, but it, you know, you, you want to see him progress and do better. But, yeah, they've got to improve as a group. Mason Cole, too, at center. And, you know, whoever your left guard is, they've got to be able to do better in pass protection for these quarterbacks to have a chance, no matter which of the three it is. Another area that Mike Tomlin looked at and spoke with us about that needs to improve, much like the offensive line from last year that continues to be an issue this year, is the run defense. And he said we don't grade on a curve around here. I will. Uh, the run defense didn't have Cam Hayward out there, nor did it not have uh, Larry Joby or Tyson Alualu. But it did have the same three inside linebackers, and maybe that's what he's getting at because Miles Jack played, Robert Spillane played, Devin Bush played, and still the Seattle Seahawks managed to get, I think it was 6.1 yards per carry in that game on Saturday at Akershire Stadium. And Alex Collins was the Seattle Seahawk running back who lit them up last year. And they got those two Miami running backs, Homer and DJ Dallas, who might have some upside, but they're not exactly household names like Collins wasn't. 
this continues to be an area of concern, I think, for the Steelers. And again, trying to get away from the grading on a curve thing that Tomlin is talking about. Okay, well, let's not talk about the defensive line then. I didn't see any, aside from one real big play that Jack made. I thought Jack made a great play on a third and short where he stepped into the hole and stuffed the run. It's not like those other two linebackers did much to make me think, okay, they've figured it out. No, they haven't. And if you notice, you go back and look at the stat sheet. Devin Bush, nowhere to be found on there. At least Philane, I think, had three tackles uh, or was in on three tackles. Uh, Devin Bush, nothing. In fact, there's video circulating on Twitter showing him just hesitating and getting blown past by one of the running backs, caught flat-footed, which is not what you want to see from the former number 10 overall draft pick. I thought it was interesting that when they went to the two-minute defense today, they didn't have either of those linebackers on the field. Miles Jack was it, and they went to a dime defense, preferring to see what Trey Norwood could do, I guess, as the dime linebacker. And, and at times they've used three safeties. Uh, they're, they're trying different things with just the one linebacker because I don't think right now they Mike Tomlin believes he can count on either Bush or Spillane in, in those type of situations. I get where he's coming from on that, because if you're looking at the dime, then it's Sutton, Witherspoon, and Wallace, theoretically as the corners. Edmonds, Fitzpatrick, Casey, Norwood, or if he's healthy, and it doesn't look like he is right now, Carl Joseph, because what did Mike Tomlin say? It's beyond day-to-day. Everybody's (laughs) always day-to-day, but he... He made a point to say Carl Joseph was, yeah, beyond day-to-day. The joke which, is day-to-day, aren't we all? I guess not for Carl Joseph. He's way beyond day-to-day. He's probably week-to-week by now. But, uh, yeah, we don't know about Carl Joseph. And he actually was a guy who early in camp looked like he had was doing some decent things here. But now I, I imagine he's, you know, candidate for injured reserve if he's not on the day, among the day-to-day group. You brought up the whole two-minute thing, and I want to get to that, too, because that's the third area of concern that Mike Tomlin specifically addressed from the game on Saturday. And I looked a little bit closer at the numbers because the first thing I thought when he said that was, well, gee, didn't they win the game in a two-minute drill with Kenny Pickett? Well, they did, but they also had a really bad sequence before Pickett and the offense gave the ball up to the Seahawks, who immediately fumbled it back to the Steelers. Um, And he was right about what he said at the end of the first half. There was another not-so-great sequence from Mason Rudolph in the offense that gave it to the Seahawks, and they went nine plays down the field in a minute and 27 and scored. That, to me, is a little bit less of a pressing concern than the other two things he talked about with the pass blocking and the run defense because those things were issues last year. I mean, I I would have to go back and look at the numbers to to grade this out, but I don't think the Steelers – if you went plus minus plus minus game to game, I don't think they were extremely deficient in two minute situations, especially because Ben Roethlisberger led them to those late comebacks so often last year. Yeah, I mean that obviously was the case in you know the the, the two minutes at the end of the games at the end of halves last year. Yeah, you'd have to go back and look. I don't remember, but whatever he saw Saturday night was enough to make Mike Tomlin. Changed a little bit of his routine in practice. I don't, he wasn't originally going to end with a two-minute drill, but decided that's what he needed to do. And the defense did step up and make stops both times against Trubisky and Pickett. So, you know, that was positive. I mean, Arthur Millett stepped in front of a pass, had an interception on Kenny Pickett early in that series where at least Trubisky got him down to about the 11-yard line. With, with some help. With some well, generous yeah. calls to keep the drill going that definitely favored the offense. Yeah, it it did. Um, and he, they did have a fourth down scenario, which may or may not have gotten him across the line to gain. Mike Tomlin 
you know, said to keep going, and they did, but they still couldn't get it in the end zone. It was some nice defense by Levi Wallace and uh, Mikello Witherspoon in those, you know, in those sequences that, that had to be encouraging. Mason Rudolph to the Jets, Mason Rudolph to the Lions, two rumors that cropped up after Mason Rudolph played well, and there were injuries with the Jets quarterbacks and the Lions of the Lions, I guess. Um, do you give credence to any of these, uh, or are the Steelers more inclined to just keep Mason Rudolph? I think if anything happens, it, it would make no sense for the Steelers to do it right now. I think after the third preseason game, you get a better chance, or even even after the second. But I think after the third, because you don't want to give him away for some low draft pick, and then one of these other two quarterbacks get hurt. Then you're stuck, what did you have, is Crystal Adokun is your developmental three, um, you know, potentially moving up to two if somebody does get hurt. I think they want to make sure they have three healthy quarterbacks going into the season. And then maybe even like 2019 when they traded Josh Dobbs after the first week, maybe that's when they then try to, you know, look to see what they can get for Mason Rudolph. Because, you know, the, the, the situation, it will, the way it is here, I don't see him getting a realistic chance to start. And I think, you know, they're going to try to push Kenny Pickett to be that backup. Yeah, and I was kind of going back in time and thinking to what I heard and what I saw when I was writing about Mason Rudolph and the crowd reaction to him coming into the game. And, you know, it's funny that the narrative that has cropped up since, it's just how we filter and how we view things through the lens of Mason Rudolph versus the other two. Like, Mason Rudolph throws the touchdown pass, and all we're talking about is how great the catch was from George Pickens. And Mason Rudolph gets strip-sacked from behind, and we're acting like he should have known it was coming when Dan Moore got turnstiled. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph throws a near interception, and apparently that was Connor Hayward's fault for turning the wrong way on the pattern. But, you know, we don't look at it that way from what else it could have been. We just put it on Mason Rudolph, whereas... You know, Kenny Pickett gets sacked on a fourth down. What are you doing taking a sack on a fourth down? Throw the ball away. If that's Rudolph, we're killing him for it. Or, you know, the Kenny Pickett handoff on the jet sweep. Who ever talks about a handoff on a jet sweep? We're looking for things to prop up Pickett. We're looking for ways to tear down Rudolph. And I get it. One of them's probably an outgoing backup that's been around for a while and was a third rounder. The other guy is the first rounder who went to Pitt and probably has a higher ceiling. I, I get all that. It's just the way that the dialogue is framed or filtered to me is a little nauseating. Yeah, and, and really, if you don't want to see Mason Rudolph as your backup, realistically, you want him to have a great preseason because then that increases his trade value and maybe the Steelers find somebody to get rid of him to and get a better draft pick. I mean, you know, if it's apparent and it seems it's getting to be that way, that Kenny Pickett's going to be the number two guy, then you want Rudolph's trade value to be as high as it can possibly be. And to do that, he has to play well in these games. Joe, the Steelers are two and a half point underdogs to Jacksonville. <laughs> that's I guess that's what preseason gambling is all about. I guess, and I guess nobody's watched Jacksonville much. <laughs> they put up what twenty four points in two weeks. I, I guess I can't say I've seen a lick of Jacksonville football. Maybe Trevor Lawrence's uh, bandwagon is uh, getting ready to take off. Here's the extent of what I saw of Jacksonville football. What the fans were chanting at Deshaun Watson in the stands, where there was like eighteen people in the stands, and I know Deshaun Watson heard every word that was chanted at him. Yeah, and hey, they have 
you know, for all the picket chants and Kenny Kenny chants they heard at Acrisure this week, you might hear them in Jacksonville on Saturday too, because it's bound to be more Steeler fans than Jaguar fans at this game. That's for sure. All right, so my thanks to Joe Rudder. We appreciate his time as always. When we have the Pittsburgh CityCast tomorrow, like I said, we'll have those over/under predictions for you for all the pro and college teams of local interest for win total Wednesday at Bet Rivers. And we'll also hear from Terrell Austin a little bit more, the defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's coming up tomorrow on the Pittsburgh CityCast.